Blog Talk Radio. This is Creativity in Play. I'm Steve Dahlberg. And I'm Mary Alice Long. You can find us online at creativityandplay.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Creativity Play. And download archived editions on iTunes. Our guest today on Creativity and Play is Aaron Kenny, co-founder and director of Cedar Song Nature School in Vashon, Washington. Cedar Song provides opportunities for direct experience with nature while fostering compassion and empathy for the earth and all of its inhabitants. Erin Kenny, welcome to Creativity and Play. Thank you, Steve, and thank you, Mary Alice, for inviting me. Well, tell us, first of all, please, about the school and, and sort of what's different about it, its philosophy, and uh, as I said in the introduction, its focus around nature, and I know that you work across the lifespan with with, uh, learners of all ages. So tell us a little bit more about what it is and and why you co-founded it. Sure. Um, I was one of those people who was a born naturalist. And ever since I was a child, I really craved being outdoors, being barefoot and paying attention to the names of flowers and birds and insects. And luckily, I was raised by a naturalist mother, so I had a role model early on who taught me respect for nature. And as I grew older and um, started realizing that this was a core need of mine, I started thinking that I would uh, make a living by connecting other people with nature. Uh, I started to become concerned about the fact that children uh, were getting decreasing amounts of time out in nature in extended nature immersion play. Um, Although children were going outdoors for sports and organized activities, what I remembered from my childhood was just extended periods of unsupervised play in nature. And I felt that that had really made me a better person. Um, I read Richard Love's book in 2006 and was excited to read that there was starting to be more scientific evidence that being person spending Did we lose Aaron? Aaron? Oh, Aaron we, yes. we seem to be losing you a little bit. Oh shoot. Uh well, keep okay. going, Erin. We can hear you now. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. You what you said a little bit because we missed some of that. Um, from from the book you, you had read. Yes, I read Richard Love's book in 2006, Last Child in the Woods, and I was excited to find out that there was current scientific research that was backing up my intuitive feeling that it was important for children's physical emotional, and mental health to spend extended periods of time outdoors immersed in nature. Uh, About 12 years ago, I bought five acres of native forest land on Vashon with the intention of uh, beginning some nature immersion programs. I began with offering summer nature immersion camps for children between the ages of 7 and 12 and a year-round adult nature immersion program that was focused on ethnobotany. I am an ethnobotanist 
which is um, knowing the edible and medicinal uses of all the native plants. Uh, after I read Richard Love's book in 2006, and I at that time was a single parent of a three-year-old, uh, and I was unsatisfied with the preschool uh, environments that were being offered because all of the programs were indoors, and I felt really, really strongly that, strongly that children, especially between the ages of three to six, needed to spend a large amount of time outdoors in nature. Uh, I had read in Richard Love's book about these forest kindergartens in Germany, and they're called Waldkindergartens, and the children spend their entire class time outdoors. And I was very intrigued by this idea. I didn't know if Americans would be able to embrace this model because we are such an indoor culture. Uh, I took a leap of faith with a friend of mine who helped me get the program started, and we began uh, five years ago an all-outdoor preschool. Also, we call it the forest kindergarten because we want people to understand that we are following the German Wald kindergarten model, which has some very distinct features. Our program at Cedar Song, the forest kindergarten for three- to six-year-olds, has been hugely successful, and um, uh, people are embracing this model for their children because they understand that spending time immersed in nature is important for a child's overall health and development. Uh, and some of the distinguishing features of the forest kindergartens in Germany, uh, which we have incorporated at our school, are a total commitment to nature immersion. So they are outdoors all the time. Uh, the other thing is we follow an interest-led or flow learning style of teaching. In other words, the teachers do not come in with any preset agenda or schedule for the three hours that we're with each class. We let the children just lead us, and wherever their interest is peaked, we can then quickly swoop in with a 30 to 60 second science lesson. And since it's in the field and direct hands-on experience, the children learn, incorporate, and retain those lessons and then can build on them. The level of understanding of natural sciences of these young three- to six-year-olds is astonishing. Uh, another piece that is a distinguishing feature is our emergent curriculum. So it's sort of like the flow learning. Um, as the children move through space, we notice uh, what they're observing, what they're engaged in, and then at the end of the day, we will make notes about that, and that becomes our emergent curriculum. So, in fact, they are learning about weather patterns and life cycles um, of amphibians and insects and the types of birds that live in their environment that can identify all the plants. And so that, in fact, becomes our curriculum that it's interesting that it's written after the day. Um, the other feature is that this is place-based education. So the children are learning about the environment that they live in. They're learning about the plants that surround them in their community, the different types of wildlife, uh, birds, insects, reptiles, mammals. And uh, they become quite adept at identifying these different animals as they see them in the field. Uh, the other, as far as teaching style, we have an open-ended questioning style. So we 
uh, it's inquiry-based. We ask the children, oh, what do you think about that? What is that? What uh, is different today than yesterday in looking at this thing? And be carefully, uh, careful not to shut them down by saying, no, that's a wrong answer. I will simply say, oh, that's a good idea. What else might it be? Uh, and sort of eliciting, eliciting their critical thinking skills. And uh, one of the final pieces that's very important is that we believe strongly in the value of authentic play. So there are no props or toys out in the forest where the kids are attending this school. Um, their imagination is encouraged to grow and expand, and they are learning their social skills through their play themes with their peers. So it's a very different model than is currently operating in most preschools uh, in the United States. Erin, I, I love this quote that um, is, a playable space is pleasant for every bit of the community to be in. So mm -hmm. how is the play space that you created on your five acres playable for the entire community? Well, one of the things that I've done with this forest kindergarten model is I have included the community. In other words, uh, the parents are very, very involved in the school. We have a number of events that bring the parents out to the school uh, grounds, and they can play with their children out there, and their children lead them on the trails and show them their favorite plants and that type of thing. Also, I strongly connect uh, the parents of children I notice who are playing during class time and connect those parents outside of school. We have parents who come from Seattle and ride the ferry over to Vashon to bring their preschoolers, and we have parents who bring their kids from Tacoma and ride the ferry to come over here. And I have connected those families in sort of a community, and when they are in Seattle and Tacoma, they regularly get together and um, – and have playtime for their children and social time for the parents. I found that this kind of community, community support is really important because, first of all, the children are learning a certain way of playing in nature, and they're supported by these peers who are also going to uh, this program. The parents then also have the support of other parents who strongly believe in this early childhood education model, and they get a chance to practice um, why they like it and to state those reasons so that then if they come across other parents who are uh, questioning why they would send their child to this particular type of program, they are well-versed in how to respond to that and to feel positive and good about what they're doing for their child by enrolling them in this program. Great. You, there were so many great pieces in the uh, overview you gave us that it, it's hard to know where to go next. <laughs> well, um, I can tell you that um, um, some of the life skills that are gained in Forest Kindergarten Program, um, they're a little different because in an indoor space, you don't have the children don't have the opportunity to really get very physical. Um, in a smaller space, uh, even if children are playing, uh, there are certain prescribed toys, and there's a lot of conflict over those toys. So there's a lot of uh, – there's reduced conflict in the outdoor setting, 
And so more opportunity to practice conflict resolution skills. The other thing is we're committed uh, to really small class sizes. I instituted a class size limit of eight, and there are two teachers with that class of eight at all times. One of the reasons is because I'm very committed to the social and emotional piece of children three to six years old, that they are in a critical phase of developing those skills. And so it's my uh, philosophical belief that the smaller the class size and the more oversight by the teachers, the more opportunity we have to positively reinforce appropriate behavior rather than in large group sizes what a teacher ends up doing is simply um, addressing negative behavior. And when children three to six uh, get attention, whether it's for positive or negative behavior, that is what they tend to gravitate towards. So we're in a unique opportunity with these small class sizes to really be present with the children as they're practicing their social skills and just layer on thick the praise for the appropriate and positive behaviors that we witness. So, Erin, how does uh, nature, being out in nature, help foster the sense of compassion for each other and also in, in, in the bigger picture for our entire planet, our Gaia? Well, one of the things that through the readings that I've done and through the environmentalist writers uh, um, that I've heard, um, over and over again there's this overriding theme that when you understand and when you personally connect with something, this something being nature, then you care more about it. You care more about working to save or preserve it. If you can objectify something and you have no direct personal connection, it's a lot easier to not care about it. So what we're doing with these children is we are giving them the opportunity to immerse in nature for an extended time, like three hours, and really connect in a personal way with a place on earth. This elicits in children a, a compassion for uh, the natural world. The other component of that is it's very important to have a nature mentor at an early age that teaches you respect for the natural world. So it's not really just enough to be spending time in nature to develop that compassion and empathy. It's very important to have an adult mentor who is teaching the children why we want to respect the earth and how this is a living being and, and why we want to be gentle with these things and what our place is in the fabric of life. Um, so also when interviews have been done with leading environmentalists and they're asked what was their primary influence for becoming active uh, and concerned about environmental issues, they repeatedly state that it was a combination of this extended nature immersion time as a child and an adult role model who taught them respect for nature. And it um, sounds like it sounds like you did that yourself with your mom being a naturalist and then you went in to study both botany and other sciences and absolutely. now you're doing what you're doing. And it's your yes, core passion. Exactly. You said. And it's exciting because I, uh, since I've been running the summer nature immersion camps for 12 years now, I've had an opportunity to, connect, to reconnect with some of my earlier 
kids who went through that nature immersion camp, and they are going into the environmental field. And it's fascinating um, when I check in with them here over a decade later to see how those classes influence their life. And I truly believe that if we connect children with nature in that critical birth to five age, that they will develop a lifelong um, compassion and understanding and personal connection to their environment. And this is borne out if you look at um, the leading environmentalists today stating what their influences were. One of my biggest concerns now is that if that is true, then where are our future environmentalists going to come from? If children under age five are not even allowed to walk barefoot in the grass, or if their parents won't let them out on a rainy day or play in the mud, they're not going to develop that personal connection with the natural world. And if this today's parents are not modeling that going outdoors is important, they're getting that message from their parents as well. So that very much concerns me because if we don't touch the earth, feel the earth, spend time uh, grounded with the earth, then we lose that connection. And what ends up happening, and we're starting to see, is this ecophobia that people actually are fearful of going out into nature. They're afraid of nature. And that's just so alien to me. And I'm uh, deeply concerned about the situation. And that's one of the reasons that I was so committed to starting this forest kindergarten program, uh, especially targeting those three- to six-year-olds, although we do take two-year-olds, too, if they're um, developmentally ready. Um, so, As you think about some of the examples you just shared of, of what the program looks like and particularly the extended time being outside, what are some of the things that that those kids have either said or done that have surprised you? Well, I'm always astonished when a, a visitor comes out to the program and those kids are uh, just talking about uh, decomposing, hibernation, observations, investigation. They're using um, very advanced words for their age. And one of the reasons is because I don't dumb down my language for children that age. I use words like camouflage, and then I will just define it in the next sentence. I sometimes forget, because I'm working with these kids all the time, how truly advanced they are in their understanding of natural science principles. And so whenever a visitor comes out and those kids want to sort of show off their knowledge, um, the visitors are just absolutely amazed. And I, again, am reminded how uh, important this kind of learning is for children. And again, it's not taking environmental activities and bringing them outside, you know, saying, okay, today we're going to be studying spiders, so here's what we're going to do. It's the children show up and we sort of, and we meet them um, at the parking area with their parents and then the kids come with us and we sort of get a sense of what their energy level is on that day. And then they will either just stop somewhere and start digging in the earth or playing in a game of imagination. Some kids might want to take off on a little adventure up the trail. And so that's another reason we have two teachers at all times is so we can truly honor that interest-led ideal. So if one group of kids wants to stay and just sit in a 
in a place in the forest and dig or play. Another group uh, wants to run, another teacher can go with them. So it's very organic in the way that it flows. Um, and so just one quick little funny thing, I always asking sort of eliciting questions, as I said. And so as the insects started to emerge this spring, I said, so I'm wondering why the insects are out right now. And one kid said, because it's spring. And another kid said, because of the full moon. You know, so these kids are really expansive in their um, in their answers. And, again, I would not say to the kid who said the full moon, no, that's the wrong answer. I would just say, wow, that's a great idea. What else could it be? So um, their, their minds are wide open. And anybody in the early childhood education field knows that children this age are very malleable. And it becomes extremely important, and you have to have – uh, a strong sense of responsibility about the information you are giving them. That being said, when I, I went to an international conference in the fall in the Netherlands, and we got an opportunity to observe some of these fall kindergartens in Europe, which I had never done because we were the first, I was the first person to start a forest kindergarten in this country based on the German Vald kindergartens, and I had never actually seen one in action. So going to Germany and observing them was really educational. Uh, there were two distinct teaching styles. One, the teacher had a very hands-off approach. The teachers actually stood at a distance from the children and let them socialize and play all on their own. Um, and they let them resolve all their conflicts, and, and the teachers were very hands-off. The other was a little bit more of our style in that we actually get down and play with the children while trying not to direct their play or their themes, we will model that adults can be playful too. We get down and we play in the mud with them. Um, and the children are always a little bit surprised when they first are starting the program because they're not used to seeing adults in today's world get down in the mud and play with them. So um, it, although it does become very important, as I said, not to direct their play or become the center of attention, um, which is very difficult for a lot of teachers because in America, teachers are taught to maintain control of their classroom and control of the students. And that is the opposite of our model. In our model, the children are controlling the flow of the day and we are following them and we are there to guide them and be available if they need us. I, I was going to ask, sort of just related to what you were talking about of um you know, how, how the kids engage and how the adults with them, even though kids naturally sort of have this desire to play and, and explore, do you find that, and, and the kids you're talking about are, are fairly young, so presumably it's still pretty pretty much in them, do you, do you find that it takes them getting used to for them initially when they come into the openness because of things that have already gotten in the way of some of that? Well, yes, yes, definitely. Um it's um, interesting to see the differences in children, just their, their natural aptitude. Some kids, I can identify the born naturalists, although I, I do believe, as you said, that all children want to connect with nature, and then the only thing keeping them inside or from connecting with nature is their parents or their adult guardians or their preschool teachers who are saying, oh, it's raining, so we're not going to go outside. Oh, it's muddy, so we're not going to go outside. Children want to engage nature and they don't care what the weather is as long as they're warm and dry and this is 
This I say based on my many years of experience as a nature immersion specialist. Part of what we do is in working with parents when we accept families into our programs is we counsel them about being very careful of their messages about the weather and playing in nature. Um, if it's a particularly rainy day when they're showing up with their children, we want them to say, oh, yay, you're so lucky you're going to get to play in the rain and do puddle stomping and make rivers. You know, so the messages from the parents are extremely critical. Um, that being said, there's a lot of cultural messages that we can't really override. We live in an indoor culture. Everybody's um, spending most of their time indoors, huge amounts of time involved with media. So we're sort of working against a cultural tide in that sense. Um, and unfortunately, some of these kids, by the time they're four years old, they've, they've absolutely internalized these messages about mud being yucky, uh, you know, or touching a slug as ew, and, and that's too bad. And we work, we work to shift that around and um, in developing their respect for nature, um, you know, describing a slug, it's not you. It's, it's, if you don't want to touch it, you don't have to. However, the slug needs to have its slime or it would die because it needs to be coated with moisture. So making everything into a lesson, and over and over I find when kids understand, then they're a lot more open-minded. And the more they engage with nature, the more they're willing to engage with nature. So it really does have a reinforcing effect the other thing is a lot of parents, unfortunately, they're so disconnected from nature now, they don't know how to play in nature with their children. They think they need to take out a kite or a ball and glove or have some activity when most kids just really want to be in nature, be immersed in nature, not, do, not necessarily doing things in nature. So we counsel parents also to sort of take their child's lead, take them outdoors and just follow them, see what engages their interest, and then... Spend 10 minutes just digging in the dirt, noticing what you observe and that type of thing. It's a great family bonding experience to spend a lot of time out in nature with your child or children. Well, I find, Erin, that children and nature are two of my greatest teachers. Yes. And so I'm, I'm positive that in uh, your play space, um, at Cedar Song, that that's going on. That, that, that you as teachers are learning buckets from the kids. Absolutely, Mary Alice, you couldn't have said it better. I actually often say, every time I teach, I learn, and I tell those kids all the time too, because in our culture, children are not seen as sources of learning information, and I find that all the time. Their perspective is so um, still so open, um, and just listening to how they observe the world and how they interpret it is absolutely fascinating. I think play is playing in nature is one of the most important way that, ways that young children learn, and I think there needs to be a lot more opportunities for children to do that. And as I said, it's not just taking indoor activities outside. It's about understanding the timeless aspect of nature uh, when children are truly engaged and immersed in nature, it does become timeless. They're not asking um, for when the next activity is going to be. Uh, one thing, though, getting back to what Steve had asked um, that we do notice is children are so used to being scheduled, even preschoolers. 
they're constantly being shuttled from here to there and everything's on a schedule, that when they first arrive at our program and there's three hours of timelessness in nature, the very first year they're a little bit unsure of how to play in nature because they're just not used to having that opportunity of unlimited extended nature time. So it's fascinating to see that unfold. And then when finally three hours, they are completely engaged. So they never once ask about their parents or what time is it or, you know, um, it's a beautiful thing to see and experience. Of course. And the trees and rocks and mud holes have so much to teach us, don't they? Absolutely. And the best way to learn about them is to actually be with them and touch them and feel them and observe them through the seasons which is why it's a fabulous model, um, this all-outdoor preschool, early childhood education program. Yeah. Well, Erin, thank you so much for joining us in Creativity and Play. It's been a very fast conversation with so many great connections. <laughs> I really appreciate you sharing the uh, model from Germany that has influenced what you're doing and then delving into all these pieces, I, I still feel like there's so much more to, to talk about. But thank you very much for joining us today on Creativity and Play. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's quite an honor, and I really appreciate it. And it was great talking with you both. Thank you. Erin Kenny is the director of Cedar Song Nature School in Washington State. Our theme music is Kindergarten, composed and performed by Jonathan Batiste. You can listen to this show and previous shows again and find more information about our guests and coming shows at creativityandplay.com and find Creativity and Play on Twitter, Facebook, and iTunes as well. Creativity and Play is a production of the International Center for Creativity and Imagination in partnership with the National Creativity Network. I'm Steve Dolbert. And I'm Mary Alice Long. Thank you, Erin, for joining us today. We really enjoyed talking with you and learning more about Cedar Song in Nature Thank Play. Thank you. It's my pleasure.